Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, a real joy to share worshipping the Lord with you this morning. It's been a great blessing. And uh, also, it's been a wonderful blessing to get to know John over recent years. And, um, and I think it's fair to say, John, that we have encouraged one another, we've strengthened one another, and we've challenged one another. And that's very much, I believe, the heart of the word that the Lord has put on my heart this morning for you as a church. It's to encourage you. It's to strengthen you, encourage you in who God is, strengthen you in what God can do, but also to challenge you. Are you on board? Are you on side? Are you walking with God? Are you in his purposes? So it's to encourage, it's to strengthen, and it's to challenge. Now, obviously, when you're in a new church, all the equipment is different. I'm not used to shouting this loudly at people, so it's not, don't take it personally. I'm trying to get the voice to carry. Um, and there you are. God is able. And that's really the, the heart of the message that I want to, to bring to you this morning. And I'm going to take you back to Sunday school. Because I'm going to recount a miracle of Jesus that we will all have done in Sunday school. It is a staple of a Sunday school teacher's repertoire. <laughs> if you're a Sunday school teacher and you haven't done this story, then what are you playing at? <laughs> because this morning I want to look at the feeding of the 5,000, the five loaves and the two fish. Now, it's very familiar, isn't it? If I asked any one of you to tell me that miracle, you could probably do it word perfect. If I asked any one of you to give me some lessons from it, you could probably do it quite easily. But that's the trouble with the familiar. That's the trouble with the, oh, I've heard this so many times before. We just, we just let it wash over us. We don't see the dynamic power of God at work in this circumstance. So, so this is foundational this morning. This, this is profound. And do you realize that the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus that is in all four Gospels? The only one. It made such a profound impact on his disciples that they made sure that this miracle was in their Gospels. There is, of course, the miracle of the resurrection. That's also in the four Gospels. But what I'm talking about is a physical miracle of Jesus that he performed before his crucifixion. It's the only one. So in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, in Luke 9, in John 6, you will have a full picture of this story. And each one just adds another little snippet of information. Another slightly different viewpoint as to what was going on. And we know this for a fact, that Jesus was moved with compassion. That's a foundational matter for us to consider. That God is moved with compassion for you and for the community that you serve. He is moved with compassion and so must we be. It's called the feeding of the 5,000. Well, that's just wrong. There were 5,000 men, besides women and children, 
So let's just say, for argument's sake, that there were also 5,000 women. So we're up to 10,000 already. And let's just say, I mean, they had very large families in those days. <laughs> Jesus himself had four brothers and at least two sisters. So that's a family of seven. But let's just say, let's make it British, shall we? They all had two children. So that's 20,000. 5,000, 20, 25,000. This was a huge crowd, huge. I mean, feeding 5,000 is miracle enough. But I just want you to understand that this was 20,000 at the very least. A huge multitude. And what we also see in the Gospels is that he taught them, he healed them, and he fed them. He attended to their spiritual need. He attended to their physical need. He attended to their practical needs. Can I suggest, Bethel, that that's a good model? Can I suggest as a church, the spiritual needs of your community are paramount. But Jesus also attended the physical needs and the practical needs. This gospel is all-encompassing. And whatever we say, whatever we do, we are read by all men. And I just want to encourage us, in your ministry here in Whitchurch and the surrounding area, make sure you address the spiritual need, the physical and the practical, and keep them in balance. Too many churches are rushing around with the practical needs, and the gospel is almost an afterthought. That's not helpful. Too many churches will preach the gospel and not lift a finger to help anyone. That's not the gospel. It's a whole gospel. Spiritual, physical, and practical. Okay, let's, um, let's get cracking, shall we? I'm going to read from John chapter 6 because uh, I had to pick one. So this is the one I've picked. And we'll just read this together. It should be coming up on the screen. So when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked him this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, emphasis on small, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, that's okay. Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men, well, we've covered that already. <laughs> Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets 
with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So the first thing is, come as you are. I want to look at this story through the eyes of a boy. A boy who took his lunch to Jesus. And look what happened. You can imagine, can't you? The boy had heard about Jesus. He'd heard he was a great teacher. He'd heard that he does miracles. he heard that he was like no one else that people had ever encountered. He spoke with authority. He was different. And he was dying to meet him. He couldn't wait. Now, whether he left with his family, or whether his, he was getting on his mother's nerves, and she just packed a small lunch and said, look, just go. Get out from under my feet. We don't know whether he was with his family or not. But he was excited. And he would have got there, and he would have seen the crowds. And as only a young boy can, I don't know if you've seen young boys in crowds, they are terriers. They get where they want to go. And you can imagine, can't you? Ducking, diving, sidestepping, working his way through the crowd. And they would have looked at him and thought, oh, it's only a boy. And he would have wiggled his way through. And before he knew it, he was near the front. He could see Jesus. This was the man he'd heard so much about. And he, he heard the teaching. He saw the miracles. He saw people being healed. He was blown away. This was the greatest day of his life. He had met Jesus. And then, something strange happened. Jesus was sitting there quite calmly, but his followers were agitated. His followers were talking to each other. There was a commotion. And, and he was straining to hear what, what's going on. And he heard, not enough food. Where are we going to get food? Did you bring anything? Why didn't you bring anything? There was, there was a disagreement. There was a, a challenge to the disciples to feed the people. And the disciples didn't know what to do. 20,000 people needed food. And the boy sat there. And the boy thought, well, I've got my lunch. Maybe, maybe that would help. So he had a choice to do nothing, to sit there and wait for the adults to sort it out, because there were 10,000 adults there. <laughs> he could have just sat there, but he did a remarkable thing. He did something. Oh, he was just a boy. Oh, there was 10,000 adults there that maybe knew better, but he found that he was stirred to do something. He was moved to act. He was moved to stand up. So, can you imagine? Nervously, self-consciously, he approached a disciple. He didn't know his name. 
He just knew he was in Jesus' gang. So he just, just rolled up to him. No pretense. He was just a boy. He didn't pretend to be anything that he wasn't. He came as he was. And he just brought his lunch. Is there anything more pathetic? A child bringing lunch to feed 20,000 people. What was he thinking? Well, something was stirred to move. He didn't see the enormity of the task. He saw the need. And he came as he was. The Bible talks to us of Joseph, a slave in prison. And within a day, he was prime minister of Egypt. The Bible talks to us of Gideon, a fearful farmer, threshing his wheat in a wine press, the last place you thresh wheat. And yet, in one battle, he transformed Israel and delivered his people. David, a teenage shepherd boy, visiting his brothers, ended the day by saving Israel and slaying the giant. And so if, if a slave, if a fearful farmer, if a teenage shepherd boy can be used by God, what about us? What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 1? Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You see, no one is excluded. Now, I don't know you individually. I didn't ask John, are there any Nobel Prize winners here? Five. Five. I, I knew it. I knew you were a cut above. I could, I could see quality. I don't know if there's any chief executives of multi-million pound businesses. I don't know. But I do know this. That our God doesn't look at earthly accomplishments. He looks at your heart. And he chooses those that aren't very noble, that aren't very clever, that aren't very wise. He chooses the slave in prison. He chooses the fearful farmer and the teenage shepherd boy so that no one is excluded. But here's the thing. No one is excused. You're not excluded, but you're also not excused. The call is out. Who will respond? Because Jesus waits. We also, not only, need to come as we are. We need to give what we have. The young boy didn't give what he didn't have. He gave what he had. And all he had was five small barley loaves and two small fish. Again, what was he thinking? It is embarrassing. It's pathetic. 
It can't possibly work. Five loaves and two fish could barely feed one person. Just in case you're wondering, you're unfamiliar with bread and fish, I've kindly provided a photograph for you. <laughs> now, clearly, um, I doubt very much it would have been fresh fish. He would have been stinking in, in that Middle Eastern heat. And so it was more likely dried fish. That's probably sensible. And, and the loaves, they may have been that size. They may have been smaller. I don't know. But what we do know, the Bible emphasizes that they were barley loaves. And barley loaves were eaten by poor people. Wheat loaves were made by or eaten by the well-to-do because they could afford the higher prices. So if the Bible had said they were wheat loaves, then we'd have known that he was not too shabby when it comes to the finances. But it's barley. He was poor. He didn't have much. But what he had, he gave. So with legs shaking, with hands trembling, he gave Jesus all he had. The disciples didn't quite know what to make of it. Andrew sort of said, Whoa, we, well, we've got five loaves and two fish, but what's that? He almost talked himself out of it. You could almost sense a little bit of faith rising, and then he just crashed and burned. But what is that? He, he almost lost his courage. He almost felt embarrassed coming to Jesus. It's, oh, oh, yeah, but what's that? But what Jesus saw was provision. Jesus saw the heart of this boy. That he gave everything. And that is enough for Jesus. That's what he's looking for. That we give him all we are and all we have. That we entrust what we have to him. As an act of worship. <laughs> I wonder what the boy was thinking. What have I done? I've got nothing to eat now. I've given my lunch away. Wait, what's what's going to happen now? See, the boy arrived that day and he meant to feed only himself. But Jesus arrived that day wanting to feed everybody. Don't shortchange God. You may think all you want to do is feed yourself and maybe feed somebody else. But God wants to feed everybody. So just walk in step with God. Don't shortchange Him. Don't diminish what God has planned for this church and this community. It's bigger than you think. I don't want to frighten you, but it's bigger than you think because He's a big God. And that's what he wants to do. I can imagine that after they'd grabbed his lunch from him, the disciples sort of trying to usher him away now. Thanks, thanks, boy. Off you go. But something within me, and you'll have to bear with me here, something within me wants Jesus to stop them and say, let him stay. Let him stay. 
I've got something I want to show him. So what will God show you, I wonder? As you come as you are, as you give what you have, I wonder what God will show you. Many years ago, very early on a Sunday morning, I was awoken by a banging, a clattering, a clinking. It was a noise that I was unfamiliar with at that early hour on a Sunday morning. And the, the terrible thing was, it was getting closer. It was getting nearer. Until eventually, the bedroom door was kicked open. And there was my seven-year-old son, carrying the biggest tray we had in the house. And he boldly declared, I've made you breakfast! Well, we soon woke up. <laughs> he deposited this tray on the bed. And the look on his face, I wish, I wish I'd have taken a picture if I could focus myself. There was joy. There was glee. There was, I love you. Now, the toast... It was cold, rock hard. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> now, he knew he wasn't allowed to use the kettle, boiling water, so he made a squash. It was powerful squash. <laughs> there was a lot of squash. And ever so slightly a hint of water. <laughs> but I tell you what, it woke us up. It wasn't very good. But I've had thousands of breakfasts in my life. And that's the only one I remember. And it still makes me cry. Because it was love. He had done all he could out of love. He brought what he could. And it wasn't good. But my goodness, I will never forget it until the day I die. Because it meant so much to me. Sometimes we can talk ourselves out of things, can't we? Oh, I, I'd love to do more, but I'm not very clever, and I, I'm not very good with people, and, and I, I, yeah, it's not my thing. I, yes, go ahead, but it's not for me. Can I just say that those days have got to stop? My son made me the worst breakfast I've ever had, <laughs> but it was the best breakfast I'd ever had. And I want you to bring to God what you have and what you can do. I want you to bless the Father's heart. I want you to bring a smile to the Father. I want him to say, yes, I can use that. Just as Jesus did with this boy. What he brought was not enough, but it was used by God. So, 
Come as you are. Give what you have. The rest is up to God. Isn't that brilliant? You are absolved from responsibility. If you come as you are, if you give what you have, it's up to God to do the rest. And He will. You can imagine, can't you? The boy became concerned. No other food came forward. I'm sure in the back of his mind he was thinking, well, if everybody brings something, we might be okay. We might get away with this. The truth is, there were others with food in that crowd. It is inconceivable that parents wouldn't pack up their rugs and their picnic baskets for the day to go on a journey to hear Jesus. It is inconceivable that nobody else had food. They did. But what did they do with it? They did nothing. And what do we hear about them? Nothing. We only hear about the boy who gave what he had. Let this be a place where people hear about the offerings that you bring and the sacrifices that you make for the king, for God himself. And then Jesus prayed. And do you know what? Nothing happened. Jesus prayed and nothing happened. And so the boy, wide-eyed, just began to look what's going on. And Jesus began to take loaves out of the bag. And the boy wasn't very good with maths. But he soon realized that there was more than five. And, and he soon realized that there was more than the two fish that he brought. And they kept coming. And they kept coming. And Jesus said, disciples, sort it out. It's over to you now. Let the people sit down. You do the rest. Everyone was fed. And the boy was amazed. Twelve baskets of leftovers. He only brought a small basket. And everyone was fed and there was twelve baskets left over. And again, forgive my imagination, but I would love, I would love it, I can see it, that to the boy's great joy, Jesus looked at him and smiled and invited him to take some leftovers home to his family. I'd love to think that the boy left with more than he brought. I'm sure of it. Because God is generous. And I'm sure the boy reflected. If I'd have kept quiet, if I'd have done nothing, which was, of course, the easiest option, then I would never have met Jesus. I would not have seen a mighty miracle. I would not have seen 20,000 people fed with my lunch. His willingness to give Jesus all that he had, however small, blessed a multitude. So what's the challenge for us then? Of course, the task before us is difficult. Of course, it is humanly impossible 
in this post-Christian world where nobody considers God. Nobody honors God. Where there is so many people openly opposed to the, the message of the Word of God. This is humanly impossible. Or is it? Because God is always in the majority. You need to understand that God has never suffered defeat. God has never lost a battle. And God is for you. So if that is the case, who can be against? Just as five loaves and two fish defied all logic, defied all understanding, so as you reach out, as you seek to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in your community, He is with you. And if He is with you, then nothing and no one can stand against you. See, He's a God who created all things by His Word. He's a God who destroys superpowers when they rise up against Him. He's a God who parted the Red Sea for His children. He's a God who fed millions of His children in a desert. God's got form here. He's done it before. He will do it again. He's a God who defies the laws of biology and physics. That's meaningless to God. God does what He wills because He is God. So just like this day and this boy, we have a choice. What if? What if you came as you are? What if you gave what you have? What if? Will you do nothing? Because there was thousands of people that did nothing. Or will you do something? Will you offer what you have? Or will you keep it for yourself? Will you give it up? Whatever that is. Whatever that means to you. What will you bring? Will you bring you? Will you bring your time? Will you bring your money? Will you bring your future? I know those precious plans you've got. Will you give them to Jesus Christ? As an act of love and worship, will you give to Him all that you want so that He can transform it into something for His glory and for His kingdom? So just like this boy, Will you resolve in your heart today to bring what you have and see what God will do? I promise you, it will be worth it all. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We are talking eternal values here. We are talking eternal beings. We will live for eternity. Well, what we have now is not worth having.
and is not worth keeping hold of. Let us be eternal people. I've, I've asked John's permission. He says, you're, you're, you're very used to this sort of thing. I just wonder, would you just stand with me? And I'm just going to pray. And if you are willing, I'd like you to hold your hands out in front of you as if you are presenting a gift. Now, those hands are empty. But I just want you to pause a moment. And between you and God, I want you to put a gift in your hands to present to him. Is it your life? Is it your dreams? Your future, what you want? Are you giving that to him? It could be your money. It could be your time. It could be your career. It could be something that you hold more dear than Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you'd move upon us as your people here. I ask, Spirit of God, would you stir each and every heart? Lord, would you reveal those things that are more precious to us, those things that we value, those things that are maybe more to us than our service to you. Lord, whatever we're holding back, whatever areas of our life, Lord, that are not given up to you, I just pray now, Lord, that as we offer them to you, Lord, just release us from them. Let us know, Lord, the joy of giving to you all that we have. And Lord, grant us the privilege of seeing your glory at work in this place, Lord, in this community. Lord, let us invest in the kingdom because only what is done for you will last. Nothing else matters, Lord. Only what's done for you. And so, Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. We submit to you. And we ask, Lord, take what we have and use it for your glory. Feed the multitudes, Lord, in whatever way you deem fit. Lord, begin a work here now that will change and transform each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.